0: even though maybe not all the facts are out yet. And uh, due process will hopefully run its course. Uh, and there will be you know, justice for one side or the other. However, uh, being a young black male in America has become a proxy for suspicion. And that uh, you know, very often is uh, something that uh, law enforcement uh, agencies are criticized of. And what we're seeing here is perhaps just a, a different manifestation of that.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast. And yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for joining us today. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from the great state of Massachusetts.
3: And this is Craig Williams coming to you from a very beautiful and sunny Southern California with a lot of beautiful white snow up in the mountains, where it belongs, Bob. And uh, I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and have a book out called How to Get Sued. Bob, I know you write a couple of blogs.
2: Yep, I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law.
3: Well, we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Clio, a web-based practice management program for lawyers at goclio.com and PC Law by LexisNexis. For a free trial, you can go to pclaw.com slash radio.
2: And I'm going to be seeing the Clio folks in a few days. I'm going heading off to Tech Show in Chicago. I look forward to that. Uh, well, I, on, a, on a much more somber note, the, the, the shooting death of 17-year-old Trayvon Martin has sparked outrage across the country. On the night of February 26th in a Florida neighborhood, Trayvon Martin died from a single gunshot to the chest uh, at the hands of a neighborhood watch captain, George Zimmerman, after uh, Zimmerman called a 911 dispatcher to report a suspicious individual. Zimmerman claims self defense, but questions remain over the facts surrounding this tragedy.
3: And more facts are coming out as we, as we speak about this. But since the Trayvon Martin tragedy, a Florida State Task Force has been put in place to review Florida's Stand Your Ground law, there are currently 21 states that have laws giving citizens permission to use deadly force without first attempting to retreat. A grand jury will be called to session on April 10th to discuss the next steps in the death of Trayvon.
2: Today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to take a look at the legal issues surrounding this particular case, uh, uh, the issue that race may or may not have played in it, uh, Florida's stand-your-ground law, uh, and, uh, and next steps in the case. Uh, we'll also talk about community policing, the origin of neighborhood watches, uh, and their relationships with police.
3: And joining us now is Professor Michelle Jacobs. She is a professor of law at the University of Florida's Levin College of Law. She was a defense lawyer in private practice prior to the start of her academic career. Professor Jacobs has been teaching criminal law for 17 years and also teaches international criminal law, various seminars on issues such as sentencing women defendants in the criminal justice system, and critical race theory. Her scholarship focuses primarily on access to justice for underserved communities and in addition to her law review articles, she's co-edited a book called Feminist Legal Theory and contributed to a chapter on Race to Injustice, which is a compilation of essays examining the prosecution of the Duke lacrosse players. Welcome to the show, Michelle.
4: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
3: Also joining us
2: today is Kenneth Novak, Ph.D. Uh, Kenneth is an associate professor and chair of the Department of Criminal Justice at the University of Missouri-Kansas City. He's partnered with several criminal justice agencies, including the Cincinnati Police Department, the Kansas City Police Department, the Overland Park Police Department, the Kansas City Metropolitan Crime Commission, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. He is co-author of the book *Police Management*, third edition, uh, and also *Police and Society*, fifth edition, both from Oxford University Press. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Ken.
0: Uh, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
3: Well, Michelle, it's kind of hard to believe, but there may be some people out there who do not have all of the facts or at least a certain summary of the facts about the Trayvon Martin tragedy. So can you give us a brief overview of it?
4: Sure. I'll tell you what uh, what I think is at least publicly known although I don't know that any of us know what the facts are. Um so apparently this young man uh was spotted by um George Zimmerman the community uh volunteer watch person uh who decided to uh follow him because he looked like he might be suspicious. Um now we don't know uh exactly what happened during the course of the period of time between he when he initially started following him in the tragic uh fatal shot but we do know that there are several uh 911 phone calls some made by Zimmerman and some made by others uh who observed the process going on uh, and in the 911 calls at least on one or two occasions Zimmerman was told not to pursue this young man though he did it anyway um and, and the story gets very vague from there because there's all kinds of allegations of language that he might have used suggesting it was a racial matter or the fact that his uh speech was slurred indicating he might have been under the influence of uh some substance. But at any rate, uh some confrontation occurred and Trayvon Martin ended up dead. Uh so of course the police came to investigate and uh made no arrest at the time uh based on this standard on ground uh law that exists in Florida. Um and essentially Truthfully, for three weeks, nothing happened on the case until Tom Joyner, who is a syndicated uh, black radio uh, show host, um, he he does a morning show, talked about the case and the fact that nothing had occurred to George Zimmerman, no arrest, no investigation. I believe at that time, the family was having difficulty getting copies of the 911 calls uh, and had already hired a lawyer. Uh, and at that point, uh, the national media picked up the story, the Florida media picked up the story, and, uh, we go from there. Uh, now, of course, the, uh, um, governor of the state has appointed a special commission to review, uh, the, not only the incident, but, uh, the stand your own ground, uh, uh, law, there's been a special prosecutor appointed. The police chief for Sanford, Florida, which is where this occurred, has temporarily stepped aside, as did the original prosecutor on the case. Um, today or yesterday, we had some allegations coming out that, uh, uh, a witness appeared yesterday somehow, uh, who said that, uh, he saw, um, Zimmerman wrestling with Martin and that the, um, Injuries Zimmerman had occurred had been because the Martin had beat him up. And, you know, there's also some information today that he was suspended from school. That's why he was out. Um, so, you know, there have been rallies all across the country. And uh, I believe the parents are testifying at Congress today. Um, and now we have uh, this uh, very intense focus on the Stand Your Ground law in Florida.
2: Well thank you that was uh, that was a a great uh, encapsulation of, of everything that's happened uh, and I want to bring Ken into the conversation uh, and uh Ken I, I from 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 your point of view what what's what how how have you Reacted to to what you've heard about this case. What's what's your perspective on, on this tragedy?
0: Well, yeah, it it certainly is a tragedy, um, and it's uh, very unusual. The, my, one of my first reactions was just how unusual it was to have uh, a fatality related to Neighborhood Watch. Um, it's uh, it's it's stories like this and situations like this that are so unusual that become national uh, conversations because it's simply not the norm. Uh it's tragic uh whenever somebody, you know, loses their life especially when there's so many murky details as to a he said she said of what exactly happened. And so uh I'm looking forward to learning like many people what exactly uh, uh occurred that evening if we can ever really find that out. But uh one of my initial reactions was just uh, how unusual it is to have a confrontation like this uh, between a, a citizen and somebody representing Neighborhood Watch.
2: Well, well and how unusual is it for a Neighborhood Watch, uh, uh, whatever you call them, a, a member of a Neighborhood Watch to be carrying a gun?
0: That's really difficult to say, but I don't believe that that practice is encouraged. Um, The idea of Neighborhood Watch is that uh, citizens are taking a proactive part in being the eyes and ears for the police. Uh, it 's proactive in that they 're out doing something they know better than anyone else who belongs who doesn 't belong within a neighborhood, who are regulars who are not from the community or they don 't see them around much and they're, in that regard they 're in a much better position than the police to identify suspicious behavior suspicious people. however, uh, their role is not to get engaged uh, in the the conflict they their role is to, again, be the eyes and ears of the police and not the arm of the police.
4: Well, and it's interesting in Friday's, um, Thursday or Friday's uh, paper here in Florida, the individual who trained, who spoke to that community about um, creating a uh, Community Watch uh, remembered Zimmerman actually from the session. Uh, and that individual uh, was very clear that during the session, uh, they made it clear that weapons were not to be carried during uh, a community watch event, that the people were essentially just eyes and ears and not uh, operating on behalf of the police in any kind of apprehension capacity.
3: What do you think about the p- demonstrations that are going on around the country at this point? It seems that uh, they are a bit premature from the standpoint that we really don't have all of the facts. People are rallying without really understanding what they're rallying about. Do you-
4: No, they understand completely what they're rallying about. They're rallying about the fact that uh, it's normative for young black men to just be killed. Uh, And the normal assumption being is that they must be doing something wrong and therefore they deserve to to die. So, uh, you know, those communities know exactly why they're rallying. And they're rallying to get support for the parents who merely want, the state government and law enforcement to do their job, which was to investigate the death of their child. So they're very clear on what they're rallying about.
0: You know, and I would uh, I would agree with Professor Jacobs in that uh, even though maybe not all the facts are out yet, and uh, due process will hopefully run its course, uh, and there will be, you know, justice for one side or the other. However, uh, being a young black male in America has become a proxy for suspicion. And that, uh, you know, very often is uh, something that uh, law enforcement uh, agencies are criticized of. And what we're seeing here, is perhaps just a a different manifestation of that.
2: Well, and and to carry that point further, I mean, it does seem that the authorities, uh, the law enforcement authorities in this case didn't, Begin to fully investigate this the facts of this case until there was uh, outrage about it. I mean, it, it seems that they pretty much accepted Zimmerman's uh, explanation without looking into it any further. I, I mean, is that is that your sense, uh, Ken? Let me ask you that.
0: Um, it, yeah, it's not really clear, but I mean, what is clear is regardless of what was going on at the situation, we have a uh, we have somebody who, who who died in a violent fashion. And an investigation would need to be conducted thoroughly from the get-go whether or not the the person who pulled the trigger is a a, a regular citizen, a member of Neighborhood Watch, or even a law enforcement officer. Uh, Keep in mind, uh, all law enforcement officers, when using deadly force... uh, uh, our, an investigation pers- uh, 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 concludes whether or not that force was used in a justified or unjustified manner. And to that end, uh, uh, agents of government are responsible just like typical citizens. And so whether or not the investigation proceeded in a normal manner, it would seem that it really doesn't matter who the suspected uh, uh, gunman was. Uh, a full investigation needs to proceed so that fact-finding can be done.
4: Well, that's one of the problems that this stand-your-ground law has uh, created here in Florida. Um, At the time the bill was proposed, uh, the prosecutors prosecutors here in Florida are called state attorneys. Uh, The Association of State Attorneys was against the bill. Uh, Nonetheless, it passed. Now, as a result of that, there's been a wide divergence of response to... Uh, what happens in one of these cases throughout the state. So in the panhandle area, you have the prosecutors who really didn't like the bill, and they are uh, continuing to investigate and bring charges when some of these stand-your-ground cases come up, at least to investigate it. Uh, In other areas, particularly in that Sanford-slash-Orlando area, the police have, it uh, appears that they have essentially taken the position Well, the last man standing is the one who uh, who's credible. Uh, <laughs> and the bill has produced some wild results in the state of Florida. In uh, Tallahassee, there was a gunfight between two rival gangs and uh, a 15-year-old innocent who was not involved in either gang was killed by a um, passing bullet. And the judge To to the credit of whoever the state attorney was in that area, they did actually prosecute people, and the judge threw the case out, uh, saying that both gangs had the right to stand your ground, which is an incorrect interpretation of the law to begin with, but it's indicative of how um, really loose uh, the practice has been in the state. And I, I myself was surprised that when the bill was passed, there were no guidelines established for state attorneys throughout the state, as what, you know, what... The protocol should be when one of these cases occurs. Although I will say there's, there's a black man on trial right now in the St. Pete area of Florida because he killed a white guy and claims stand your own ground.
3: Ken, what's the legislative history behind this law? What's its real purpose? Is it really meant to apply in situations like neighborhood watch and gang fights?
0: I I will definitely defer to Professor Jacobs on this. However, I'm not uh, really—I don't believe that uh, the stand-your-ground or any self-defense type law would really have neighborhood watch specifically in mind because uh, that particular group is not designed to be armed and not designed to be nor trained in how to de-escalate conflict rather than escalate conflict like law enforcement is.
4: Right. So, so the stand-your-own-ground laws uh, essentially uh, expanded the category in which a person could use uh, deadly force against someone they perceived to be an aggressor without first having to retreat, right? Um, prior to this wave of uh, 21 states adopting the law, the basic law in the United States was from our, our common law origins with England, which was that unless you were in your home, right... Uh, where you didn't have to try to retreat because there's a presumption that if someone breaks into your home while you're there, they're intending to do you some serious harm, and so you're allowed to use deadly force in repelling them. But outside of your home, you had a duty to at least try to get away if that could be done safely uh, without you incurring any injury or you know serious bodily injury or death. Uh, with the Stand your, your Ground laws, it allows the person who perceives themselves to be at risk to use deadly force without, uh, having to retreat first. However, the law requires two things. And that's one, that you have to be engaged in lawful activity to begin with. And two, that your uh, belief that you're uh, exposed to death or serious bodily injury has to be reasonable. And these are both questions of fact, which can only be determined after an investigation. And, and, And this is where the deficiency is coming about in the state. There's not an investigation in order to put the shooter the one standing, the last one standing, uh, to to the position where he has to establish that, in fact, he did have a reasonable fear and that he was engaged in lawful activity to begin with. So one might actually, uh, with this new evidence, for example, that uh, Trayvon Martin attacked uh, Zimmerman, one if you listen to the Stand Your Ground rule, uh one might reasonably conclude that Trevon Martin perceived he was at risk of death or serious bodily injury from this unidentified individual who was following him and armed and he chose stand your own ground. You see what I'm saying? So when you don't do yeah. the investigation, the last man standing uh narrative can't always give you the full picture.
0: So, if I could follow up on that, Uh, and this actually is for Professor Jacobs, does the law say anything specifically about whether the role of the aggressor or initiator of the conflict has anything to do with um, access to the stand-your-ground defense?
4: Okay. Well, that's part of the regular body of self-defense law, right? If you are the initial aggressor, you lose the right to use uh, deadly force. That's just classic self-defense law, Um, and there has to be all kinds of situations that occur in order for you to regain the right to use violence when you've been the initial aggressor, because when you're the initial aggressor, you haven't been engaged in lawful conduct, Um, and so if, in fact, uh, Zimmerman—so one could look at Zimmerman as if he was the initial aggressor, since by his own admission— Trayvon Martin hadn't done anything to him to initiate his uh, contact with him. It was he who initiated the contact.
3: Well, and we
2: heard that initial 911 call where the police uh, asked uh, Zimmerman to to stand off, essentially. I mean, they said, we don't need you to follow
4: this guy. Right, right. Now, in in Sanford, they're saying that uh, the reason the police didn't use that to indicate that Zimmerman um, didn't follow their instructions was that the actual language that the 911 operator used was, we don't need you to do that. Don't follow him. We don't need you to do that. Um, And that wasn't a clear instruction to Zimmerman that he was not to do anything further.
3: And is the neighborhood watch an appropriate, uh, acceptable legal activity, or is this just an informal uh, kind of loose cooperation between police and the local citizens? Uh, is there a law that actually allows you to form a neighborhood watch and go out, patrol streets, and, and be a, an aggressor?
0: It would seem to me that uh, at, at least half of that would be okay. Um, the, the ability to form neighborhood watch uh, is certainly something that everybody has access to. In fact, in many jurisdictions, the police actively attempt to, uh, you know, garner support for people to engage in neighborhood watch uh, other areas people do this on their own. Um, uh, they will form uh, you know neighborhood watch groups or things like that without the assistance of, of law enforcement. Uh, but when you say about being aggressive and actively intervening, then I think that takes it to a very different uh, different conversation um, i don 't believe that the the idea of neighborhood watch nor laws related to neighborhood watch would permit uh something that comes close to vigilantism which is which is what partially what we're talking about here
4: I would agree with that i don't I don't think there's anything objectionable about neighborhood watch uh you know I'm originally from New York, and guardian agents are well known uh well established uh neighborhood watch type of organization although I will have to say this that they've had their rocky history uh but they don't go out armed I know that.
3: It's time for us to take a quick short break. We'll, be, we'll have more on the Trayvon Martin tragedy when Lawyer to Lawyer returns on the Legal Talk Network right after this.
5: Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process?
3: No, I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes, and uh, even if you have an existing, uh, a legacy, That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot com.
5: Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE.
1: Perfect. I'll do that right now. Tired of all the headaches of running your law firm? Want to spend your time doing what really matters? Then you need PC Law. PC Law from LexisNexis is the legal industry's best-selling matter, billing, and accounting software. It has never been easier to manage your law firm and serve your clients. Get back to doing what matters to you. For a free trial, go to pclaw.com slash radio. That's pclaw.com slash radio. Or call us at 800-685-2161 today. You never have enough friends or followers, right? Check out Legal Talk Network on Facebook and Twitter, LinkedIn, too. You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com.
2: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Our guests today are Professor Michelle Jacobs, a full professor of law at the University of Florida's Levin College of Law, and Kenneth Novak, Ph.D., uh, an associate professor and chair of the Department of Criminal Justice at the University of Missouri-Kansas City. Uh, I I wanted to ask, uh, you know, I, one of the things uh, I, I've heard uh, said quite a bit uh, in discussion of this case uh, is is that stand your ground laws are are inherently racist. Uh, that uh, you know a a, a black person uh, is is more likely to be perhaps the victim uh, under this law than is uh, than as a white person. Uh, Michelle or or uh, or Ken, if either of you know, are, are there, is there any evidence uh, in this regard? Do we have uh, any statistics, or or have there any studies been done that that uh, look at uh, uh, how the 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 sort of the, the racial disparity uh, in the enforcement of these laws?
4: Okay, so I, I can't speak to that. Understand your own ground laws because I don't know that any study has been done on that. I can speak to it in regard to uh, cultural values uh particularly as play out in law enforcement. Okay. So so people are all confused about the race issue on this case and the race issue comes up in about four four different ways in this case. The the, the first issue is uh I think the normative cultural understanding that any non black person is reasonable to think that every black person is engaged in some suspicious activity. So that's number one. Number two, that any non-Black person would be reasonable to fear he or she is at risk of death or serious bodily injury from every Black person. Number three, that because Zimmerman's father said he's Hispanic, that he's therefore incapable of engaging in racist conduct, which of course is just an uninformed understanding of how racism operates. And then fourth, you know, this national uh, notion that we have here in America that only bad people engage in racist behavior, and since people have spoken about how Zimmerman is a good guy, it's impossible that he would have engaged in any kind of racist conduct. But bad you know, it's not just bad people who who, who break the law. This Marine who's now facing um, 18 counts of murder, uh, has been described by all of his friends and relatives as a good person. And in fact, he may be a good person, but at the same time, he engaged in heinous conduct. So that's the problem. And there are plenty of studies that have shown, particularly in the context of law enforcement using violence, that they are more prone to use deadly force mistakenly when the suspect is black as opposed to when the suspect is white. So there's some pretty good social science studies out on that.
3: Well, if if Zimmerman gets arrested, what do you think he's going to be charged with? What's an appropriate charge to make in this case?
4: Um, well, it, it could be uh, either a murder or a manslaughter, depending on um, how they interpret this, the situation, right? Because a manslaughter is, is a killing, but everybody sort of gets it that you didn't intend the person to die. Uh, as opposed to uh, a murder, which is an intentional killing. So uh, unfortunately, you know, I I hate to say this uh, because I know the family is hoping that they'll get some kind of justice, but I don't see a murder charge coming out, frankly. Uh, And so far of the eight cases the stand-your-ground cases uh, that have been brought in Florida, seven of them have ended up in not guilty verdicts.
3: Ken, what are your thoughts?
0: Um,
4: Well, actually, I was going to circle back
0: to something that uh, Professor Jacobs said and and agree that uh, I'm unaware of any uh, evaluation of stand-your-ground in terms of uh, what you were asking. However, I think there could be a very real cultural bias or economic bias in terms of who would feel compelled to stand their ground. Um, People uh, who may not have equal access to legal remedies, people who may not see the courts or Office of Citizen complaints with their police department as a viable option when they feel they've been wronged, are probably much more likely to take the coat of the street and take care of business here. And seeing as uh, anything except standing their ground might be seen as antithetical to that. And so there may be a cultural bias there that's natural within American society where uh, people who don't feel that they have equal access to the courts or that the courts do not protect them in the same ways may be far more likely to stand their ground or maybe even be the be more towards the aggressor.
3: There's been some Black Panther uh, statements made by the group saying that they'll pay $10,000 for the capture of Zimmerman, and they're hoping to raise as much as a million dollars. Publicity stunt, Michelle, or what's going on there?
4: Yeah, I, I would have to chalk that up to publicity. You know i know I know that the Panther organization still exists, but it's not the same entity that existed in the heyday of the seventies um so uh this may be an opportunity for them to get some press, although who knows it could be uh the situation where Bernie gets. Uh, like when Bernie Getz shot those kids in New York, and people were offering bounties to not to catch him, but to to save him and hide him from the police. <laughs> so uh, I I think that's probably more
0: publicity than anything real. And I, I would I, I would certainly hope that um, a reaction to vigilantism would not be a, a bounty for vigil vigilantism.
4: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Oh, that,
2: right. Well, nonsense. I mean, that, you actually kind of just asked my question because I mean it, it, there. Some people are portraying this this vigilantism, and and I, so I'm wondering, Ken, whether you think that that police departments will, because of this uh, incident, look be looking more closely at their own relations with community watch groups, uh, and uh, looking for perhaps uh, creating uh, better definitions or, or new sets of rules or guidelines for those kinds of groups.
0: Uh, I would be shocked if that is not a conversation that's currently going on in many uh, police departments. Um, very often neighborhood watch uh, the involvement that the police may have may be in the initial formulation of it, uh, the occasional checking in, gathering information, gathering good intelligence of what's going on within the, uh, the, the, the neighborhood and using that uh, to lead police uh, decision-making and whatnot. However, uh, Uh, This situation probably gives reason to pause in terms of what do we really know about the people who are engaged in Neighborhood Watch? Do they know the rules? Do they know uh, that they're not supposed to be uh, aggressors or or, or initiating these contacts? And I think that that's probably going to be a a very big conversation and probably one uh, that could be a positive that comes from a tragedy.
4: Yeah, I think I think even with Zimmerman, he was known to the police because he had called over 30 times sure. over the past two months or something. So well, uh, it's, it's
3: just about yeah. time for us to wrap up and get your final thoughts as well as your contact information. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Michelle, but That's we'd like okay. to okay. uh, <laughs> uh, pull this together at the end here. So, uh, Ken, let's start with you.
0: Well, uh, thank you very much for having me uh, on today. Um, this uh, this is certainly a, a tragic event and, and, and something that we're going to have to continue a conversation of the appropriate role of uh, community within social control. And Neighborhood Watch and other types of entities like that Do uh, are positioned to provide good informal social control. And in neighborhoods where there is strong informal social control networks, you're going to need less formal social control, such as the police and prisons and courts and whatnot. However, I think it really does uh, emphasize the uh, appropriate role that these groups are going to have to play within the, the appropriate context. And then do you want my contact information? Uh yes, please. I am at the University of Missouri, <laughs> Kansas City. Sorry. Uh, best way to get a hold of me is via email, and that is NOVAKK at edu. And Michelle?
4: Okay. Um, I would just say this in closing that um, uh, something that Ken opens on with he was describing the community watch situation is that the people in the community know their community. They know who comes in and out. Uh, So forth and so on. Um, Until we deal with the issue of racism in America, which, you know, we're not allowed to speak openly and honestly about that uh, in this country. um, We're not going to get to the root of these problems. Right. So anytime a black person walks into a neighborhood that's predominantly white, they're going to be viewed as a suspect. And a legislator in New York even said that. Uh, to one of his black colleagues that if you walk into my neighborhood, if you drive into my neighborhood, I'm going to call the police because you don't belong there. See, and underneath all of that, there's a notion that blacks have a particular place in society where they can and can't go. And if they step outside of those boundaries, then they're going to be suspicious, and then they open themselves up to all these uh, uh, risk of violence and death at the hands of neighborhood watch, police, and a whole host of other people. So that's that, that's just a problem that we're going to have to deal with in this society. I hope the parents get some justice. I'm not uh, particularly hopeful for that. Uh, I mean, I'm not particularly optimistic about it. Uh, so here at the University of Florida, we've uh, recently formed a criminal justice center where we have all the great minds uh, in criminal law together here. Uh, And we're about to initiate our blog called Gator Criminal Justice Watch, which I hope to be going live this week. And you can find out all about that at www.law.usl.edu. And that's where you can reach me as well.
3: Great. Well, thank you very much for being on the show today. We appreciate your thoughts and your input. It's been a fantastic uh, discussion.
2: A really, really good us. show. I really appreciate both of you being on it, and I'm looking forward to the launch of Gator Criminal Justice Watch. Is, is there a <laughs> URL for that yet, do you know? Or?
4: Um, it's going to go this week, I think, and our first, uh, uh, list, our first blog posting is going to be the Trayvon Martin case, and the second one will be um, on the recent first um, judgment issued by the International Criminal Court.
2: Excellent. Great. Well, uh, just a reminder to... Uh, our listeners, that uh, they can now get CLE credit through West Legal Ed Center for listening to Select Legal Talk Network podcast. Just go to legaltalknetwork.com. Click on the West Legal Ed Center icon there. You can also find all Legal Talk Network shows on iTunes. Craig, any last words?
3: Well, uh- It's been a great show. It's a terrible tragedy. Uh, We need to take a solid look at these laws and and, uh, the implementation of them and the prosecution of them as situations like this arise. And, uh, you know, as we've talked about on the show, I think uh, reserve judgment until we hear all sides and get all the facts and and, uh, make sure that we analyze this appropriately. We also like to remind our listeners that uh, we'll be back again next week with another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. We'll see you next week.
1: See you there. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and hey, check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network.